When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matias Wadner and Will Lomas. As you just heard, for the last time, this is a, a, a housekeeping matter for those of you who may be new to the No Nonsense podcast. For the last time, you just heard our Rashawn Evans introduction. Rashawn recorded that for us back in, gosh, the summer of 2019. And (laughs) throughout this past season, like we would take it in and out as he played well and then didn't play well. Uh, We promised that we we would run it back one last time when he signed with another team. And that has happened. Rashawn Evans has signed a contract with the Atlanta Falcons. And just quickly on this, guys, it's hard to imagine a better place for him because his best football in the NFL, by a wide margin, came under defensive coordinator Dean Pease, and that's who he's going back to in Atlanta. Yeah, that's true. Um, Hopefully Dean Pease could could get the best out of him like he did um, during that short stint um, with the Titans. Um, we'll see. I hope it works out. Uh, it's only a one-year deal, but they did just lose uh, Alua Khan. Uh, so maybe, you know, I think Rashawn Evans is going to step in a starting role uh, right away, and, you know, maybe he'll shine. He's got Deion Jones next to him, uh, one of the better inside linebackers in the league. So good luck to him. I wish it could have worked out more with the Titans, but uh just didn't work out that way, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it, he's always worked better with Dean Pease, like you said. Like, I mean, he just needs somebody who can make the game really simple for him. And when he's got, when he's, you know, when he's completely in control of the playbook in terms of like he knows exactly what he's supposed to do, he's really good. Like, he's athletic, he's strong. It's just whenever he starts thinking, it was just a downward spiral. And, it, you know, if he can just get back to playing and not thinking so much before the snap and, you know, he can be really good. It's just, we have not seen that guy in years. Yeah. And the Titans are 
going to be quite all right at that position with David Long and, and Zach Cunningham. I will say over the last week or so, I've noticed the inside linebacker to the Titans stuff dying down just a bit. That's promising, I guess. I still see uh, quite a bit of it, though. Um, but I, I just, I really don't see it happening. Um, well, you know, well, you know what's picked up is the quarterback stuff, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But it's sort of been replaced. Uh, another thing, it's quite frankly been replaced by. And you know, we we usually those of you who are longtime listeners, or, or even if you just listened last week for the first time, uh, we usually end our episodes with the stop the nonsense segment. Uh, we'll do that, of course, this week, but we're going to open with some nonsense, too, because one of the reasons the inside linebacker narrative has taken a back seat is that A.J. Brown to the Jets has hopped into the shotgun. I'm so over it. It's annoying, but I, I mean, it's. I feel like it's it's about to die down because we've gotten some reports um, from national reporters kind of like throwing cold water on that. So I hope this is the end of it. Um, it kind of took on a life of its own um, from just an initial r- report by it was Rich, Rich Simony, I think it was. Um, but it kind of just seemed like speculation, really. And it wasn't really like in depth. I'm reporting like that. This very well could be a possibility. Uh, but it really took a life of its own. Obviously, Titans fans jumped on it and started defending uh, AJ Brown. Although so- some Titans fans were like, eh, "Maybe, maybe it might be a good idea." But most of the Titans fan base uh, was pretty much against it, um, and they really didn't see it happening. And, and I don't think anyone really saw it happening um, outside of a few hopeful Jets reporters and Jets fans. So. Hopefully it's in the rearview mirror. They could turn their attention to DK Metcalf. Maybe that'll, that'll help us all out. But um, yeah, uh, hopefully it'll be over soon. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where when you have too many good players on your team, you get these sort of reports where somebody's like, "Oh, is this guy the odd man out? Like, are they blah blah blah?" It's all it's all nothing. It's all like, I mean, it is the namesake. It's purely nonsense. Like it's very aggravating to have to deal with because you can tell everybody and calm everybody down the titans you know official page came out with an article that it was it was like a quote from john robinson was the title and it said aj brown's a titan and we want him to be a titan for a long time like i think that was verbatim like the headline like including john robinson's name and people are still like well maybe they're fielding calls it's like no it's like it's not it's not a thing like you know you can try to wish it into existence or whatever but you know, it, just because so many people are getting traded does not mean that the Titans are jealous and they want to send one of their guys away for draft picks because they want to be talked about. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, the team needs another wide receiver anyway. Why would they be trading AJ Brown? Like, it just none of it has ever made sense or tracked. So, uh, hopefully, this dies down, but it won't because people will get bored and we'll do this two or three more times before the draft. Yeah. So. I resisted writing about this because even when stuff, you know, gets crazy, I'm like, you know, I don't want to give credibility to this, but it got to the point where I couldn't resist it anymore when I was sitting eating lunch with friends on Sunday afternoon and, you know, this new Rich Samini stuff starts coming out when he sort of doubled down. And so when I sat down to write the column that I wrote for A to Z Sports.com 
on Monday, I, I'm, I tried to figure out, first of all, I'm like, okay, where did this come from? Where did this start? And what I found was it, it really was all Rich Samini. And it started two weeks ago when he wrote that um, the Jets are going to trade for a top-tier wide receiver, and or, or want to anyway. And, and it was sort of like, a, here's a couple of names that, you know, could make sense. It was just, it, it was him openly speculating. And there's nothing wrong with that when you purport it as that, which, which he did. It was just him saying, look, looking at it logically, here's what I think, you know, you know, you might think about if you're the Jets. And then he sort of doubled down on Sunday when he said that the Jets are, quote, keeping an eye on the Brown, quote, situation. And and that's kind of where he lost me because I don't I don't doubt that a jet source told him like yeah we're keeping an eye on AJ Brown but I doubt I don't like the use of the word situation cuz I don't think there is one. I I I think the Titans are just going to re-sign him. Like I think the idea that there's a situation is mythology. Yeah, actually uh Oh, I've just been checking Twitter, um, and I, I I saw that AJ Brown is a trending topic uh, in my oh area, my and it's crazy. And I just saw a tweet that had a quote unquote some really interesting nuggets from Connor Hughes, uh, who covers the Jets for the Athletic, uh, from an article he had. I think it was today, um, and it says that the Jets quote unquote will make a run at AJ Brown or DK Metcalf if either is made available that they were in the running for Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Tyree Kill, and he doesn't think they will miss out again, and that it is more likely that they get A.J. Brown versus D.K. Metcalf. But then we got all the reports from, like, Diana Rossini. I think even Mike Giardi had a report that the Titans are not shopping A.J. Brown at all. So, like, I don't know what's going on. But He's a moron. It just, I mean, oh, hey, hey. Sorry. He's a liar. I guess. No, Either he's way. not. He's just misinformed. I, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Liars misinformed, whatever. Call, call it what you want. But, you know, it, it, he's speaking it from a place of no knowledge. So, yes, call, call that. AJ Brown is like the quintessential tight end. He does nothing wrong. Um, everything has worked out with him. He likes the team. He likes the city. The team loves him. John Robinson loves him. Mike Brable loves him. Like, he's not, he's not going anywhere. He retweeted really something he... last night that was the Will Smith, uh, keep my, uh, it says keep AJ Brown's name out. I can't say all of it on Twitter. Uh, but he retweeted that meme. Like, so, uh, I mean, it's not like he's even being quiet about this. Like, he's already said, like, I, I don't, he's already said, like, I'm tired of it like y'all are. He's retweeting people who are saying, like, stop talking about me. I'm not going anywhere. He's, you know, the GM has said he's not going anywhere. So I don't really care who outside of the organization or who outside of anybody with ties to the Titans is saying, well, it's more, it's more possible that they're going after. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it does not matter what you're hearing or what you're saying. This is not happening. So stop talking about it. Like, I, it could not be any less true unless 
I guess everybody in the league is in on it, uh, unless the Titans are telling everybody and unless A.J. Brown is telling everybody they don't want to move, which is not how these things typically go. It, it all just seems like much ado about nothing. And what was interesting to me, I'm sure you guys saw, I, I put this on Twitter, I kept seeing these tweets where it's like, well, these Titans fans who are wanting to trade A.J. Brown, as if there was just this throng of people saying, let's do it. Let's get this guy out of here. And what I found, because um, I asked for people, I'm like, all right, do these people actually exist? And it got about 50 responses. And, and half of them were like, no, those people aren't real. And the other ones were like, yep, they're real. And so looking at some of the evidence that I was sent, what I concluded is that the only Titans fans who were like, yes, this is a great idea, were like fringe groups on Facebook. Like, this was not a mainstream thing. No no one was arguing that this was a good idea. That wasn't Titans Facebook guy. There was like one tweet. There was like one tweet from one Titans Twitter person that like kind of implied that. But I really didn't see any more tweets like to the fact. And, and yeah, uh, I also saw some of those Facebook uh, things. And we know that we cannot take Titans Facebook seriously as we've seen over the years. So, yeah, I, uh, Titans fans are, are you know, they get emotional sometimes and maybe they overreact at times. But they're level headed, at least that H.J. Brown is supposed to be here uh, for a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, they, I don't know. They, there's nobody in their right mind that agrees with, like, you can, the argument I've seen is, are you going to pay him $20 million a year, whatever, to which I said on Twitter, I would pay him $30 million a year. Like, you know, the cap's not real. It doesn't matter. You can manipulate it. Like, and that that's not, that's not a threat to me. Like, I don't understand where this would even come from. Like, I tweeted this the other day where I just said, you know, draft picks are all lottery tickets. So when you hit the jackpot, you don't trade that for more lottery tickets because you might hit something else. Like it's, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand. Like, like you said, like maybe there's a couple of people, but really it's just one or two guys who are the same people who, you know, think that Taylor Wan's the highest left, highest paid left tackle in the league or that want Mariota back as the quarterback. Like these are people who are not paying attention to the league and are barely paying attention to the team. Yeah. Yeah. So sticking on the theme of wide receivers, that's what we're here to talk about in this episode. We're here to break down the wide receiver options for the Titans, because I think we would all agree, and I, and I do want to have the quarterback discussion at some point a little bit later, but for right now, I think the three of us agree wide receiver is need number one and what we would try to make happen with the first pick, whether that is in the first round or if they trade down, correct? Yes, I think ideally. Yeah. Okay. With that in place, we're going to talk about our preferred options with that first pick, or if they trade down into the second, who might still be there. Uh, this is our first real prospect breakdown episode, 
and we're really excited to do it, and it's going to start in about 30 seconds. You're listening to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Wide receivers for the Tennessee Titans. I have a list in front of me. I think it would be boring if we just said, what do we like about this guy? What do we like about, you know, that's that's no fun. So I'm just going to open the floor, and at Will, I feel like you'll be the most opinionated on this. Which wide receiver in this draft is both the best fit for the Titans and the most realistic for them to be available at number 26? Uh, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas. Okay. Um, do you want me to kind of expand on why yeah. that is? I mean, just imagine A.J. Brown, right? Like, he's an inch and a half taller than A.J. Brown, but other than that, they're pretty similar from an athletic profile standpoint, and they're also pretty similar in how they're used. Like, they're both predominantly guys that line up in the slot. I mean, both lined up outside at times, but both are – Highly productive SEC guys, yards after the catch, clearly excelling past what their quarterback should be able to, you know, allow them to do. They make the first guy miss. They're hard to tackle. You know, they're decent, not above average run blockers, but they have size. So, you know, they're not going to get pushed around by corners. They've got enough vertical speed to stack on top of guys if they need to, even though it doesn't really show up in their 40 times. Like, I mean, they're so similar to each other. Now, AJ was probably a more refined route runner, which is what everybody gets hung up with on Traylon Burks. But, I mean, he is also an inch and a half shorter. So, you know, there are pros to, you know, what Burks has over AJ Brown. And also, if you get a guy who's just a slightly less precise AJ Brown, that's a pretty good wide receiver. Like, you know, we just talked about how we don't want the Titans to trade him for first round picks. Like, I, I think we're all in the same boat that you know we think that's a pretty good hit. So if you can get him, Robert Woods, and you know, ninety five percent of him, you know, you do that every time. And for whatever reason, he's fallen down boards mainly because. Jameson Williams is is fast and really good. Uh, Garrett w- Garrett Wilson's you know really good after the catch and before the catch, and he'll he or Drake London will probably be the first wide receiver off the board. And the people love Chris Olave, and I I don't know I don't really get it. Like I, I I don't have a problem with him. I just don't think he's like exceptional. Like I think he's a bottom third of the first round, top third of the second round guy in every class. Like I don't. Okay. I don't think there's any reason to love him, but that that puts Burks down there right where the Titans will be picking. Matias, what do you think? I think that's right because you phrased the question as most realistic and best fit. Uh, I think it's Burks. I, I think he probably will be there at the Titans pick. Um, I think he kind of got pushed down a little bit with a 40-yard dash that wasn't great, but it really wasn't that bad. I mean, 455 at 6'2", 225 is really not terrible. I mean, A.J. Brown at uh, an inch and a half shorter ran a 4.49, um, and we've made that comparison. Um, and I've it, it, watching some games from Traylon Burks, he looks like Johnny Smith after the catch at times, but like in a wide receiver's body, just slightly smaller. But, man, he's awesome to watch, really. He also has kick and punt return experience as well. You can use him in a variety of ways. Um, I, I don't know if Todd Downing has the capability of doing that, but I mean, I think he'd be a really good fit 
me personally, if he's there, I mean, I think Drake London would have to be the pick for me. I just, I think he'd be a great fit for the Titans because they don't really have that type of receiver. Robert Woods is more like a slot. He can play outside, but he's more of like a possession uh, type of player, possession type of receiver. A.J. Brown is really good after the catch, can do a little bit of everything. Uh, but Drake London is kind of in that Mike Evans type of mold. Um, and he could do some things after the catch. He's surprisingly agile, but he's a great contested catch receiver. It's something that the Titans don't really have. A.J. Brown has done it at times, but he's not really that tall, lanky guy who can go up and get it. Um, and I think that would just give the offense a, a completely new dynamic that they haven't had for a really long time. I, You know... My thing with Traylon Burks is I don't know that he's a redundancy. I don't care so much stylistically with wide receivers about redundancies. I think that can be a problem with edges when you've just got a bunch of like physical technique guys and you don't have any speed rushers. You know, I'm not terribly concerned if you've got you know two possessiony guys. And it's interesting uh, the Draft Network report on uh, Traylon Burks has him compared to Alshon Jeffrey which I think is an interesting comparison. I think uh, the Titans would be A-OK with getting Bears Alshon Jeffrey. I just think that this offense needs an element of speed and burst that they have really never had under John Robinson. And I know that A.J. Brown is fast, but I I mean like a blazer like Dotson from Penn State, that kind of a guy. Yeah, I, I thought about this because I, I do think the Titans need that, you know, elite speed receiver. They really don't have it, um, and they really haven't had it the past few years. I guess like Khalif Raymond was what well, was the last one who was that type of, of player, but obviously he wasn't very talented. He was an undrafted um, player. So, yeah, maybe Dotson, although he didn't run as fast as I thought he would in the 40, a 4 four three at 178 pounds. Uh, was a little surprising to me. I, I thought he looked faster in the games uh, I saw of him while he was at Penn State. Um, but then once I started watching his film, also, I, I just didn't see him as the explosive guy that, that I thought he was. Um, someone who does stick out to me as really explosive is, is Jameson Williams. Um, and I know he only has the one year of production, but obviously Alabama pumps out receivers every year. And it's hard to it's hard to get targets. Um uh, when there are guys like Devontae Smith, Jer- Jerry Judy always out there. But, man, he has elite game-breaking speed. He's also an incredible kick returner. Uh, he was one of the best in the nation. Just had a monster season. And I think he could give you that dynamic um, that the Titans don't have in terms of a receiver who could just completely break the game wide open, whether it's on uh, a catch down the middle and take off or you know just deep down the field getting open. Jamison Williams was a transfer, too. You know, he was having trouble breaking out at Ohio State and then ended up at Alabama. Yeah, that, that is true. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't... Somebody said, I don't know if it was Dane Brugler, Zerline, or whoever said it, but somebody said, you know, there's two ways to get a 50-yard reception. You can throw it one yard and the guy can run it 49 or you can throw it 50 yards and the guy can catch it. Like at the end of the day, I I, I hear you, but as long as you have the functional speed, because I mean, this is not an offensive line 
I, I mean, based on what we saw last year and the fact that they're not using zone blocking as much to set up their passing game, like it's not an offensive line that's just going to stand back there and be a brick wall in front of them. So or in front of Tannehill or whatever. So they don't really have the time to set up those deep shots. Like they're much more likely to be able to set up a slant or a crossing route or something like that. And I mean, you can watch Traylon Burks beat, you know, Alabama cornerbacks, you know, routinely on, on some of the shorter stuff and get a bunch of yards or beat them deep. You know, it, like to me, it doesn't really matter. Right. Because it like, let's say you draft a redundant guy or whatever, and you get, uh, you get an AJ Brown 2.0. Well, AJ Brown 1.0 does miss a fair amount of games. So it's good to have that guy in your system, you know, because if you can say, okay, we're just going to go three high on top of that, or we're going to go two, or we're going to shade a safety over that side. And you have a guy who's kind of a one trick pony who can just get vertical. I mean, that that's not as useful to me. So I, I don't know. Like I, I does not bother me as much. I do think it would be cool to have James Williams cause he's really fun to watch and he's really good. And I think, I think he and Pickens both kind of fit. Or I think they're guys who the Titans will like during the process, but just in terms of which guy do I trust the most, which guy would get hurt and then come back the next week and play in a big game and make big plays like that's Burks. You know, it's interesting as I was looking and, and reading reports on a lot of these guys, um, you know, I'm not a film guy, so I have to rely on people who are smarter than me for this kind of stuff. The one guy that I immediately took off the board for the Titans and said, nope, this is not going to happen, was George Pickens from Georgia. Um, because when I read his scouting report, it said uh, uh, often gets beaten with physicality in the run game. I'm like, well, <laughs> he he gone. <laughs> That's not a great scouting report. That's not really yeah. who he is. Isn't he? I thought. I mean, I've seen a lot of clips of him like getting extremely physical. Yeah. Um, in terms of blocking, maybe overly so at times. Um, he also gets himself in trouble just because he always wants to pick a fight <laughs> with everyone. But yeah. I feel like that's something Mike Rabel would love in, in, in a prospect. That's so interesting. I, I wonder what the that guy f- found. I'm that's worried. why. Uh, that's why you should. I mean, like, check it out a little bit. Just, I, and I don't think he's an overwhelming physical block or anything like that. Like, because he's built, you know, tall and skinny. Like, there's not a lot he's going to be able to do just because he's never going to win the leverage game and any of that. But I mean, he he definitely has pop in his hands and will you know get on somebody and you know make his presence felt. But I mean, I think what really helps him is that. He tore his ACL in the preseason or whatever you would call it in college uh, this year. And then he slowly kind of worked his, I think it was in the preseason or before the season started. uh, And he slowly worked himself back and he ended up playing in the national championship game against Alabama and he made a really good catch. And I can see the Titans looking at a guy who was injured, busted his butt off to come back and then made plays when it mattered most. I can see after last season, I can see that really resonate with them where they're like, well, that would have been great if we had that last year, you know, and instead we got what we got. So I think that's, I think this is a unique year, but the problem with me with him is just 
like his lack of production. Like he never topped a thousand yards. I think he had less receiving yards each year. Now, to be fair, it was 2019 when he was a freshman. Then 2020 was the shortened year, and then he tore his ACL this year. But it is not a great trend, like to see you get less and less yards each year. And you know, for whatever reason, that's not exceptionally appealing to a team like the Titans who value production in college. So even if we're bending the rules for the COVID year, like his, his receiving numbers are not, not impressive enough, but I do think his mentality and I think he'll be able to have strong meetings if they talk to him, but I, I, I don't, I don't think physicality or uh, a lack of that will be what keeps him off the board for them. So the ever important question that we have to ask as we are evaluating wide receivers for the purpose of the Tennessee Titans, is which of these guys passed the Matthias Wadner rule? Now, if you're joining us for the first time, or if, if you're a newish comer to the No Nonsense podcast, Matthias, explain what the rule that bears your name is. The rule that has uh, since died a brutal death because of <laughs> Des Fitzpatrick. Hate that guy. <laughs> anyway, COVID, um, COVID messed it up. COVID, COVID. You're right. You're right. COVID season. Um, anyway, the rule was that John Robinson pretty much just only drafted receivers that had gotten two two one thousand yard seasons um, or more. Because I think Corey Davis actually had three one thousand yard seasons, um, and that was true. That was a true rule until Des Fitzpatrick and Racing McMath last year. Although the Racing McMath draft pick was like purely special teams i i'm pretty sure um but yeah that that's fitzpatrick one from the beginning not only because of the rule it just really felt like a reach it really didn't feel like a john robinson type of pick but he did have technically four years of experience and some production but um yeah in, in terms of receivers this year that actually have that I haven't done a complete deep dive into all of them. I think the only one who actually has two 1,000 ER seasons is Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. I know Mechie, if we want to, if we want to, you know, uh, extend the rule a little bit, um, it, we could do uh, 2,000 yard, 2,000 yards or more over consecutive seasons. Uh, and John Mechie actually from Alabama actually passes that one. So. I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll if it'll come back. I don't know if the Des Fitzpatrick um, draft pick will will force John Robinson to go back to his receiver drafting ways. But it wouldn't surprise me if it does. Yeah, that that I don't know what more to contribute here. It it is unfortunate that uh, they messed that up because they drafted Des Fitzpatrick because of the. Um, shortened season kind of messing everything up so that was strange in a lot of ways and all that but i don't like i have not looked because i've just decided that i'm not going to look this year because i don't want the covid shortened season from last year to mess me up and in, in looking at any of these guys but i mean i think Traylon burks had yes burks is the other one he yeah had, I, think he I think exactly like 2000 like just yeah around. yeah it's like it's like he had 808 games in 2020 and then he had like 1100 and that's like chain like 1100 and change and 800 and change uh over the last two years but it comes out to uh i believe 100 yards per game in 2020 and then over a thousand 
2021, which feels close enough to bend the rules a little bit. But um, I, I do think it, it is a red flag on uh, Jamison Williams and you know guys that didn't have big production either years. Now, now, sorry, I shouldn't say either years. Didn't have big production in their first season in 2019 when they had a full season or last year when they had a full season. I do know this. The first pick the Titans made that broke that rule was a disaster. I I see very little chance of Des Fitzpatrick uh, turning things around. You know, I saw a, a tweet uh, a week ago. It's like, I think the Titans are probably comfortable with Des as a uh, depth option. I, I disagree. This isn't anything I've been told. This is just watching the body language they had around him at practice last year. I don't I don't think they're fired up about old Des Fitzpatrick, but that's beside the point. Who's the first receiver off the board in the entire draft? Uh I feel like it's gonna be Garrett Wilson. I feel like that's where most of the rumors have gone to. I would I would I th- I think I would draft Drake London no first before him, um, but I feel like Wilson is is going to be the one. I'm still a little scared about the Ohio State receiver thing. It, it really has not worked out um, in, in recent years, and it does scare me a little bit. I feel like their system doesn't really lend itself to future NFL success because their players are just put in really good positions to win. I, I don't think Wilson or Olave are are bad prospects by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but man, I just don't know if they're like actual, you know, bona fide number one receiver prospects and, and are going to be number one receivers um, at the next level. But I, I would say probably Garrett Wilson will, will be the first one off the, off the board. Yeah, I, that makes sense to me. He's just, uh, unless Drake London tests really well, whenever he tests, like I, it was supposed to be this week and not supposed to be next week because USC pushed their pro day back. Um, uh, unless he just tests really well, it's I think it's going to be Garrett Wilson just because there's fewer question marks. Like London broke his ankle in the season and you know hadn't gone through the process, so who knows how they feel about that? And Wilson's been, you know. He's he's also really solid at everything, and they drafted Elijah Moore last year, and they have Corey Davis. So, uh, if they're looking at which one of those guys worked out better, like I mean, Corey Davis has had injuries, which unfortunately does not surprise Titans fans. But I think Elijah Moore was so much better that I think they'll look at that. They can either look at it one of two ways. They can say, okay, we've got a six three guy, we've got a six foot guy. Like, do we need a six five guy? to make Corey Davis the smaller of the two outside receivers, or do we need to find more guys who can make plays in space with the ball in their hands, which is Garrett Wilson. So uh, they'll, they'll look at it two ways. I would imagine it's Garrett Wilson, but uh, I mean, if they had any sort of like gambler mentality in them, they would just go for Drake London and say like, okay, you know, this gives us two massive catch target, you know, receivers on the outside to catch passes and then somebody underneath who can tear everything up if they get soft coverage. But I think they're just going to go with what worked last time. Man, when you said that a few weeks ago, Will, you said you thought Drake London was a lot like Mike Evans. 
I think it's pretty uncanny. And you know how I feel about Mike Evans. Yeah, you love like it's it's pretty high praise from you because he's like your favorite receiver in the NFL. But I mean, he's like that. Like, I mean, he's six foot five and like they'll run a curl with him. And like, it's like a it's the defender is like a kid playing basketball with their dad, like trying to reach around and like get to it. And like the dad's just messing with him like his his arms just seem to extend a mile away from his body like and then also he's not afraid to just put a hand in your face mask and push you right in the dirt like uh, he's oh and then he can win on deep passes too from a bad quarterback so it's like yeah like he's super fun to watch it's just it the worst thing that could happen to him is that he broke his ankle this year instead of last year because if he had the season he had last year this year or he just finished the season that he was having like i mean it it would have, I mean, he would have been a no brainer top five pick to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in this 40 time. I'm assuming he's going to run a 40 as pro day. Um, I don't know. I like, I don't know what he's going to run, but I, I'm very intrigued by, by that and, and getting those me- measurements because I think they could either, you know, push him up the draft board or maybe push him down uh, a little bit depending on, on how it comes out. What's going to hurt him is the fast track in Indy. Like, so he's not, he's going to have been like recovering from an ankle injury, like a broken ankle. So that's obviously going to slow down your combine training. Then he's also not going to get to work on the fast track that all the other receivers got to work out on at the combine. So you're asking a 6'5 guy who hasn't been able to run to have a really good time that stacks up with like the record breaking combine times that they had. And it's like, that's like that there, the perception there could be really bad if the context didn't yeah. provide it. But again, that's another reason why, like it, I bet Garrett Wilson goes ahead just because, you know, do you trust what you see on tape and do you factor those in? Or do you just say like, look, this guy went through the process. He was healthy. He looks like the guy we drafted last year who does it, who, who was a hit for us. Let's just take another one of him and then just move on. Yeah, um, I, I've, I've noticed that with a couple of pro days, actually, guys are running slower than um, than some of those combine times. And even like Wilson and Olave didn't run at the pro days because they were like, we're not going to run faster than those than those times. In yeah. Indy. So it's yeah, man, you can't trust some of this stuff. Yeah. We've talked a lot about guys that could potentially be there with 26. Will. What if the Titans double dip at receivers? Who are some other guys we should keep an eye on? Uh, so Justin Ross is really weird. Like if you're just talking about a guy to take a pure flyer on, like he was so good when he was healthy as a freshman and all of his testing numbers are like, not to mention his medical stuff. Like he might not get drafted or he might be like a middle day three guy. So if they draft a wide receiver, I mean, he's 6'4", 210 pounds. Like, I I don't know. Like, he's so talented if you just ignore all that stuff. So he's a guy that if you're you're confident, say, okay, like, you get Traylon Burks, you've got your guy who's going to step in and play from day one, and you're thinking, who's somebody that we can bring along slow, you know, either develop them or have them, like, slowly work themselves back to full health. He's a guy I I would like to roll the dice on. People like Calvin Austin, who's kind of the exact opposite of Justin Ross, which is that he's like five, six, five, seven, five, eight, somewhere really small like that. But he's 
like super quick and he could be your kick returner, punt returner. Like that could be your speed demon kind of guy. Like I, I like him. I, the problem is like, there's a lot of guys in this class that you could look at late, but they just so rarely double dip that it like the last time they did, it was Corey Davis and, uh, Taewon Taylor and they went big body speed demon. So do we think they do in, and Taewon Taylor wasn't even that fast. He just played fast. I think he ran like a four, four, five. So like, are they going to try that again? Or should you look for a speed guy in the first and then a bigger body guy? Like I, I like Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama more than most people seem to. Um, I thought, I thought he was fine. I saw, he played ten, against Tennessee. So I saw, I remember him when he played. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I, like, could you get him or David Bell from Purdue? Like, ran a lot slower than people were expecting, but he plays big and physical and all that stuff. So, you know, will he be there in the third round? Like, do you double dip that soon? Cause I don't think he'll be there on day three. But I mean, those are guys I, I would look at and just kind of test the water on. But, I, I would personally be surprised, especially after they traded the sixth round pick for Woods. I would be surprised if they double dipped. Yeah, um, the more I'm thinking about this, the more I really wouldn't be surprised if the Titans wait until a third to to get a receiver. And I know that's not what we want, but I feel like they're going to be enticed by some of these guys that were really productive in college. We mentioned some of them: David Bell uh, from Purdue, Tolber already, even Khalil Shakir from Boise State, like had three final college seasons that were extremely productive you know he had consistent numbers across the board i feel like they're just going to be enticed by some of these guys that were productive in college and they're going to go back to back to the well on that like that like they did um the first couple of seasons that john robinson drafted receivers um and kind of hope that that these guys could just come in come in and produce like i love david bell i i think he's a really good player i was incredibly shocked when i saw his 40 time um i don't know if he had a pro day um again um i'm not entirely sure but yeah that 40 time is definitely concerning but in terms of like an actual just like pure football player he he's a guy that the times are, are gonna love because he does everything well um he's kind of in the robert woods type of mold so i think they're gonna be intrigued by some of these guys that are gonna be available later and it might you know even Justin Ross, like if he drops, I mean, he looked like AJ Green his his freshman year at Clemson, and then obviously he had the neck injury, um, and then he had to deal with terrible quarterback play this last season. So there are a lot of interesting guys. I, I think the Titans might get enticed by some of them um, and, and force themselves to to wait in order to take a receiver, but we'll see what they do. We're going to spend some time next week talking about... Actually, I take that back. Next week, Justin Mello will be joining the show. I think that is right. Let me check my calendar. I believe I actually am leading you astray. Two weeks from now, Justin Mello will be joining for his annual hour-long visit. Next week, we will be talking about offensive line and tight end options. Um, But what I do want to talk about now is alternatives to wide receiver. Because we started this discussion about the wide receivers by agreeing we think wide receiver is where they need to go. But over the last week, there has been a lot of smoke for two particular non-wide receiver positions for the Titans. 
in the first round, and we're going to talk about those in 30 seconds. Quarterback and offensive line have become very popular uh, speculation positions for the Titans in the draft. Interesting, I think. What do, what do y'all think? It is interesting. I don't know how, how much stock to take into the Titans meeting with these quarterbacks. I feel like they meet with everyone, really, you know. Um, I don't really have uh, a database of the visits they've had in the past the past couple of seasons um, in terms of quarterbacks, but I think it's important to do your to do your due diligence, especially if they, you know, really like one of these quarterbacks and rate them highly on their board. Um, and one of them does fall to 26. Like, I mean, Luke, you and I talked about it last week. Like, I don't hate it. Like, I know Will is going to hate it. He would hate it. But if they really feel comfortable about one of these guys, you have to do your research. You have to meet with them. You have to, you have to bring them in for visits and make sure that if they are there, you, you know, you feel comfortable with them as possibly uh, a franchise quarterback. Of course, you know, we can have the argument, you know, Jordan Love, uh, the, a Jordan Love situation could could happen. But first of all, Ryan Tannehill isn't Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I think that some of these prospects are, are probably a little bit better than Jordan Love. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I find I find some of these visits interesting. And, and I do believe that the Titans um, at least are open to the idea of drafting one to 26 if the value lines up. Uh, so <laughs> I, I knew that that prolonged sigh was in our future with this topic. Yeah. It sucks, right? Because it's a stupid thing to do. Um, but what, quarterback I, or I offensive mean, line or both quarterback. I mean, really both in the first round it, offensive line. I can understand like everybody wants to bring up like, oh, well, I, does anybody remember a guy named Patrick Mahomes? And And I'm like. <laughs> yeah, like that was awesome. If you can promise me Andy Reid is our head coach, cool. Like it, if you say that Andy Reid or Sean Payton or some offensive like or the Shanahan like, you know, any of those guys, if you promise me that we instantly have an offensive coach who I trust, like a head coach who I trust to control the offense and build it around a quarterback, I'm in. What I'll also say is everybody should remember the 49ers because last year they lost their playoff game to the Rams 20 to 17 and they traded up to get Trey Lance in the first round. If they had traded up and not taken Trey Lance, they could have had Jamar Chase. If they stayed where they were, the pick they the pick they traded away ended up becoming Micah Parsons. So they were in position to draft the offensive player of the year or the defense or rookie or defensive rookie of the year. And they didn't. And they lost in the playoffs to the eventual Super Bowl champions about three points. So that's a great example of how trying to prepare for the future can cost you your one small window at a Super Bowl because it is very hard to win playoff games. You know, that there's a great chance the 49ers don't make it that far for the next five to ten years. Like 
they just, it, you know, it it is hard to do. The Chiefs didn't, you know, the Chiefs didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Everybody swore they would. They made it to the Super Bowl and got embarrassed the year before that. You know, Mahomes' first year, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. They got knocked out by uh, the Patriots, I believe. So it's like, you know, even if you have all these things in place and you have a great offense and a great offensive mind, it it cannot work out. And often it does not work out. So I understand the thought process of if there's a quarterback you love, go up and get him. And that, on paper, that's fine because you can always argue that would you pass out pass on a guy who could turn into Patrick Mahomes? And it's like, no, obviously not. But for eight months, 12 months, we've heard that this is notoriously the worst quarterback class that anybody has seen in a long time since the Blaine Gabbert, you know, that that's, that's the thing I wanted to bring up is most recently it was compared to the Cam Newton draft class without Cam Newton. So that's Blaine <laughs> Gabbert, uh, Jake Locker, like all those guys, Christian Ponder, I believe, you know, maybe Ponder wasn't in that class. It's also bad. It's hard to remember. So do you want the Titans to do that again? Do you want them to trade up for their version of Jake Locker and then miss out on JJ Watt like they did, you know, miss out on, you know, new Hopkins, like miss out on, I, I say new Hopkins cause he was a wide receiver that was drafted in the twenties, I think. So uh, it, it, that he always comes up in my mind. Like, are you comfortable passing on somebody like that? to try to force a quarterback under the fake assumption that maybe we're going to be the team that gets it right. I know all these other teams have failed, but I, I mean, look at how smart they were this year. They had an offense that scored 30 points a game and they copied it. And then it's like, well, no, they didn't. They went away from it, had one play action pass the first game and it was downhill from there and everybody died around Tannehill. So I think it's a really stupid, short-sighted idea that works on paper, and then you end up with a bad quarterback and a Derrick Henry that's you know too too old, and you have to figure out how to you know completely rebuild the offense. And you've got AJ Brown, who's fine, but you know he's not in an offense that fits him because you tried to change quarterbacks again. It's like I think there's so many ways this can go poorly, and a very very small, minute chance it can go correctly. So I, I think it would be a stupid decision. I think it would be one that sounds good on paper so that you have to, you stop needing to answer questions, but I don't think it, I, I don't think it's a good idea. And I think anybody drafting a quarterback in this class is going to be looking for a quarterback again in two years. So if there were a better quarterback option, you're not necessarily against the principle your primary problem is you don't like the guys that are available. Yeah, like like if this was last year and I I didn't like Mac Jones, but he worked out fine, but I mean the other guys like you can see the flashes from all the other guys. Like I understood I mean I didn't love Justin Fields just cuz that offense, but I understood why he would be intriguing. Like I same thing with Trey Lance. Like you, you could like if you told me Trey Lance was the guy they thought could be Mahomes, I'd say okay, like that makes sense to me. But even then, we saw how that worked out with good offensive coaches. So I liked that group a lot more than I like this group. And you know, if you if you told me they were sold on one of those guys, okay, fine. 
But this group, nope. I mean, nobody even has a consensus number one. I mean, it's just no, nobody likes this class. Like, I, I don't know why people are bending over backwards to make it work. But yeah, if there are better, if there are better prospects for sure. Yeah. You, you convinced me, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, just because I, I'm not sold on any of these guys, like Kenny Pickett, I'm not sold on. Uh, the two guys I would even like be okay with at 26 are probably Willis and Ritter, but Willis has a ton of question marks about like actually being a passer who can go through progressions um, and all that. And I don't know if Ritter even has like the physical tools to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. So yeah, I I don't know. I I really I really don't know if I if I would feel all that great if they did pull the trigger on a quarterback, um, especially if they traded up for one like and and gave up draft capital in the future. If it if they stayed at twenty six and one fell and they felt comfortable about it, I would feel better. But thinking back through it, I I I wouldn't love it really. I'm I'm kind of with Luke, you. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you there just because the options are bad. So what will your reaction be if they take a quarterback and you hear from John Robinson, your boy, Will, and he's like, look, we just fell in love with this guy. We think he's it. I mean, what what would you think? I would have to wait for your follow-up question where you asked him what his laugh was like. Because the the only person who they've fallen in love with who's been an absolute train wreck has been Isaiah Wilson. And that, that was their big thing that they came away talking about. So I, I mean I I would not I would not trust it because I don't think any of these guys are that good and they would have to prove me wrong when it happens. So you would doubt John Robinson. I doubted John Robinson with Jeffrey Simmons. Like I didn't like the Jeffrey Simmons pick. Like I didn't think that, I mean, I didn't think that juice was worth the squeeze at the time. Not, not that I don't like Simmons, but just, I don't like drafting a defensive tackle that high. And you look at the other guys they've got found as undrafted free agents and stuff. And they found good guys. I just, I I could not see the upside that they could. And, And to be fair, I was low on Simmons. A lot of people loved Simmons, but you know, I just didn't, didn't think it was, you know, a big fit or an upgrade over the Daquan Jones, Jarrell Casey combo they had, and I was a hundred percent wrong. So I, you know, I, I will doubt him, and when I think he does a bad move, and then he'll either make me look dumb or, you know, he'll make me look great. So I, I, I would prefer that he make me look dumb in that situation. But I mean, I, the the problem isn't doubting the process. The problem is you saw something completely different and they're telling you that they fell in love with the person and you have to trust that they saw things that would overrule the film and that that you know they talked to the guy and are sold based off of the personal like based off what he said in meetings based off, based off what their coaches said all that kind of stuff and you would have to assume that all checks out and then you know Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but it doesn't change the fact that none of these guys are look great on film, and very few people are going out of their way to bend over backwards and you know say that any of these quarterbacks are guys that you should bet on. So that's a pretty big red flag. By the way, um, 
Is Trayvon Walker really going number one overall to the Jaguars? Or are they really going to do that? No, they'll, they'll draft Hutchinson. They're too scared. They they always they do the Lane Kiffin at USC thing where it's like they they find the biggest like five star kind of like all American name and they don't care about the fit or anything. That's why they still have Chase on, and it's why they uh, traded that corner that uh, I've already forgotten his name. Um, what? Well, Henderson, CJ Henderson. Yeah. See, like it's like they they. That's so bad that he's already like <laughs> we yeah. can't even remember him. Yeah, I mean, I think Caleb Montezon has like two career sacks, like, and he was a first round pick that everybody said was the steal of the draft. Like, I mean, the Jaguars love to win the press conference after because they don't know how to win any actual games on the field. So I'm I'm sure they'll draft a pass rusher, and they've thrown enough money at offensive line where nobody's going to be like, "Well, you didn't address that properly." So I, I assume they'll take Hutchinson. Are we ready for Stop the Nonsense? Uh, I no. am. Uh, <laughs> uh, let, me, let me do mine then because it's very rare. Uh, okay. So this is one of the few times I'm sticking up for anything baseball related. Ooh. Okay. Um, so <laughs> the there's one team that I've ever seen that's been fun to watch in baseball. And that's the 2022 Tennessee Bulls. Like they, uh, they're a fun team. That I think they lead uh, the NCAA in home runs by like 15 or something. I mean, it's like they're they're so far ahead of everybody else. They've got pitchers who like routinely confuse and like make people look stupid. Like they, I mean. I think they outscored. They played Vanderbilt and Ole Miss uh, in back-to-back weekends, and they went six and zero in those games. And I think they outscored them something like fifty-one to eleven or twelve or something, where it was just like absolutely dominated them. So they're the number one team in the country now, and all like almost on repeat, the fan base that they beat somebody will say. Um, these guys don't have any class and they don't show any respect for the game and all that stuff. And this reminds me why baseball is so not fun and not likable. Like the one time there's a team, you know, at least in, you know, to me, like that's interesting because they have a personality and they're fun and that, you know, they're hitting home runs and all this stuff. And everybody cannot complain fast enough because they didn't, you know, run, run around the bases the right way. And they did, you know, they didn't bow to their opponents and say, Oh, y'all are the best team. I like that. Like everybody will accuse them of cheating, get their bats checked, all that. Like that, that's really what sparked this when Vanderbilt was like, their sticker fell off their bat and they disallowed a home run. And then, uh, (laughs) the balls at a home run. And then, immediately like ran around the bases and like checked like the bat they used and like made a big deal about it and like laughed at him and stuff. And they're like, how dare they? The the umpires are uh, unimpeachable. You can't be mean to umpires. Like it's just so ridiculous. So I, I want this conserves my stop the nonsense or just a public plea. But if baseball ever finds anything remotely as fun as like a good team and you ruin it with your stupid unwritten rules. Like I don't let people do that. Don't, don't let people take the one redeeming value that baseball has and run it into the dirt because that will truly suck. 
Matthias? Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I found a stop the nonsense. I forgot to bring one to show and tell this week, but I remembered <laughs> that, that is that is what uh, this is, by the way. It, it's show and tell, yeah, le- legitimately. Yeah. Um, so I, I but but I just happen to remember that the World Cup draw was last Friday, Friday I believe, um, and Johnny Infantino, who is the president of FIFA. Uh, everyone hates him. He, he's just a terrible person. And he came up to to give the speech, of course. Um, and he called the World Cup. Uh, he said it was going to be a World Cup to bring peace uh, to the world. And I just found that to be so tone deaf and so <laughs> incorrect. Because for those of you who don't know, the World Cup is going to be held in Qatar, a country with severe human rights violations uh thousands of of workers have died trying to build these stadiums for the world cup just terrible all all around there's extreme corruption with how they got the world cup obviously they paid fifa a bunch of money it's it's a completely tainted tainted tournament and the president of fifa is going up there and talking about how it's going to bring world peace and uh, I just found that just absolutely hilarious. Um, and it's par for the course, really, uh, for those types of people um, of those types of organizations. Yeah. Can we stop trying to make sports more than it is? It's just fun. It's entertaining. And I like watching it. It's a tournament. That's all it is. It's not. Yeah. I've often said FIFA is irrelevant. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it feels like a great way to make people feel. I guess FIFA is not the World Cup. Is FIFA the World Cup? Yeah, well, FIFA yeah, runs the yeah, World yeah. Cup. FIFA World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, the Federation de International Football Association. Yeah, for the for the. That's it. That's what FIFA stands for. <laughs> My stop the nonsense is I ordered some uh, some clothes in the mail a couple weeks ago. And I ordered a lot of different sizes of a lot of different stuff so I could try them on and everything. Ended up none of them fit. Uh, so I packaged it all up, get ready to, you know, take it back to the UPS store. And these people at this store, I'm not going to name the store, but the people at this store wanted to charge me $4 to ship it back. But they would do it for free if I brought it to their store. Cheapskates. Yeah, it sounds right. That's happened to me before, actually. With something on eBay. Um, apparently, I had bought it from a seller that um, that lived in Canada. And to ship it back, it cost me like $16 in shipping fees. God. It was not good. <laughs> Classic Canadians. That's going to do it for us this week. We'll be back next week for more draft prep. Week after that, Justin Mello. Week after that, our annual mock draft. We've got to find a fourth fourth member. Two years ago, we had uh, Calvin Smith, who now works for... Um, he works in Las Vegas somewhere. Last year, we had Nick Lombardi. We'll have to figure out who we're going to have this year. Should be interesting. Until next time, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.